Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now let's face it, everyone needs insurance. So when you need to renew your cover, the -the on-the-grid hot tip is to give our mates at City Rural Insurance Brokers a call. City Rural have been dealing with the insurance industry for years, and they've got more than 50 years of industry experience. Need insurance for your business? They'll sort it. Are you a landlord and want to cover your rental properties or investments? They're your people. Or are you like me and need professional cover in case you say something silly on a podcast? City Rural can sort that too. They did it for me, and it was super easy. The best thing of all is that City Rural are, like you and I, motorsport people. If you've watched car racing this year, you might have even seen their logo on cars like the legendary Richard Mork Super Ute, among others. They know our game, and they know the people that follow it. So support the people who back our industry. And when you need to throw a new setup at your insurance cover, drop Andrew and his team at City Rural Insurance Brokers a line, and they'll fix you up. Head to cityrural.au or follow the links on the racetalk.com. City Rural, better cover, better service. Delivering all the news, the informed views and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the racetalk.com. This is On The Grid. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. A bit of a different show this time round. It's our final show for the year. And we thought we would highlight what's been good and what's been bad about 2023. And to help me do that in our final show are the guys that have been on every other show for the rest of the year as well. Richard Quayle and Mark Walker. G'day to you. First of all, hello, Richard. Hello, boys. Uh, nice to be with you for the final time this year. Uh, it's been a it's been a ride, hasn't it? Twenty twenty three. What a season! Uh, Newcastle feels like a long time ago. The twelve hour. Do you remember the twelve hour? We had one of those this year. No, that was, that was eons ago now. Um, yeah, a lot's happened. Uh, a lot of water under the bridge. A lot of cool stuff. And uh, we're going to celebrate that Shebex by diving into our hots and not so if you haven't listened to on the grid before at the end of every show uh we delve into uh our audio version of the talk power rankings and give our hots and knots of the week that was so this is more a broad summary of the uh of the year that was and i'm very much looking forward to uh, getting stuck into that shebex there'll be some good stuff especially some of the knots that'll come from this man mark walker hello mark <laughs> hello tony shebeki uh sorry i missed last week's show i was in true on the grid style, I was having a Taylor Swift watch party while eating Pizza Hut. So hey. I'd uh, bowl that out of the way early, get it done, tick. <laughs> it's a bit of a American. We said you were out buying well. a car. <laughs> we said you were out buying a car, but if you want to tell the truth, you're more than welcome. <laughs> I was buying a car. You're right. <laughs> we had this discussion on the show. What did you end up buying? Uh, not a Hyundai. I can guarantee oh, you that. Really? Yep. 86. Did you get the 86? Nah. No. But it's got a turbo. Oh, that's good. Ooh, it's fun. Mazda. Nah. 
Excellent. Oh, well, it'll debut on a racetrack near you soon. Yeah, there'll, hey, there'll hey, be a the wife here. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be a story at the Pragnum Auto Club at some point soon. Oh, no, she's sure. not going on grass this season. Oh, come on. No, nah, 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 nah. Nah, send it. Send it. Buy a nice racing car. They're affordable. Are they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, speaking really of that, how did your little testo go last Friday? Uh, yeah, no, it went, went quite well. Uh, pretty extreme weather conditions at uh, Malala when we rocked up. Um, as an indication of how strong the wind was blowing, uh, we were a full gear and about 3,000 RPM down uh, up the back straight compared oh. to where an Aussie car would normally be. So I think that worked up to something like 35 Ks an hour or something. She's a fair old headwinds. Yeah, she was pretty exciting. Um, but the evening uh, cooled off nicely and we, we had a very productive day for the Johnston Crail Racing Enterprises Aussie racing car. Um, that's our last test for the year. Um, car is now, as we speak, currently being stripped. Body comes off, uh, gets a birthday over Christmas, and then uh, it will be back on the racetrack early in New Year. But a great day. And uh, Shebex, I was lucky enough, once again, thanks to the um, the generosity of Andrew Young and uh, the great Stooge Brothers Racing Team, which is a tremendous name for a racing team, uh, to go out and cut some laps in uh, a Hyundai XL, which was uh, tremendous. So I had a very enjoyable day. Drove like a busted ass but um it was still hilarious fun it was great did you get a couple of laps in the aussie car uh no in the end didn't uh we needed um we needed asher to do more laps it was all about him getting up to speed and uh the other small drama and, and i could almost throw this into if we were doing a weekly knots this would be a knot um such was the weather that was bad that the power lines at this circuit were blowing into each other and arcing and because it was crea- it was 42 degrees when we got out there, there was quite a significant fire danger risk, as it turns out. Yeah, uh, and then all of basically the Mid-North was plunged into the Stone Ages when the power went out. Uh, and the power didn't go back on. So uh, we had no electricity to charge the car, to run the cooling fans um, when the car was stationary and things like that. So uh, I forwent, for forwent foregoed my uh time behind the wheel it will it will come later down the road excellent proper proper race car driver needs to uh needs to drive it so yeah look forward to that happening at some point all right let's get into our caltex hots and knots of the year 2023 how are we going to do this we just do one each oh we can we can go around go around the horn absolutely um can i can i start with a couple of bonus knots just Mm -hmm. to get the ball rolling just a general gentle loosener at the start of the over uh, bonus knots from mine, uh, airlines, they've been hard work this year, haven't they? That's been a challenge. Uh, one, man, of, bro. one of them left me stranded in Townsville, which was balanced by a hot, if you're going to get stranded anywhere, North Queensland, cool. not bad. That's a, a bonus knot. Uh, not, we don't race in Darwin more often than we do. That's a knot, definitely. Uh, not after parties and their effects on the human body. That's a hard knot. Uh, and the hair loss and also greyness that I believe comes entirely as a result of car racing. Um, they're just a couple of my little bonus knots I'd like to throw out there. Off you go, Mark. Oh, righto. Um, bonus, my, my dishonourable mentions to get started. Uh, uh, absolutely getting fleeced on the Bathurst coin, which I note is now down <laughs> to $20. So uh, absolutely wore a big one there. Ouch. <laughs> Did not go well. Uh, also, I'd like to not Taylor Swift and Fernando Alonso not working out. Mm. Mm. I mean, could you imagine if 
Swifty Nation was on the riding the fortunes of Aston Martin this year instead of the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. That, that would have been a real game changer for them. Um, yeah, clearly things like the drinking water in some capital cities not really up to scratch. And yeah, the Especially one that really with a. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to say that. Uh, and the one that really cuts me up, and it should be higher, but uh, here it is. You know, imagine if you drove all the way to Sydney, so you could have Pizza Hut all you could eat, and then you just <laughs> sat there by yourself mm. while you're eating dinner. That was a sad day in the history of this podcast. Really, <laughs> should, should I kick in with my number ten? Yep. Yeah. Go. Yeah. That Friday in Las Vegas, it was a bad deal. Yeah, because water covers are been an issue in the past that doesn't make an excuse this time around it was really bad for ferrari uh who got absolutely shafted by the rule book it was terrible for the punters track side who waited for the delay only to be sent home just before practice finally got underway the next morning and they were offered a completely piss weak compensation package obviously everyone sitting at home in australia the rest of the weekend was absolutely sensational 10 out of 10 but i wonder what the tra- punters track side who took one for the team how will they react next year you know it's what 18 years since F1 did a number on itself in Indianapolis and it never really recovered there. Obviously F1's in a different time and place now. So I think Las Vegas 2024 is going to be one to watch to see what it's like on the ground now that Las Vegas has experienced it for the first time. Yep. Very good point. Uh, Mine is also an F1 not first up and that's uh, the domination of a one driver in the competition we've had it for so long now in F1 Hamilton dominating for such a long period of time. And now we get into the Verstappen era of domination. It's boring. I just don't want to see it. I want to see competition. I don't want to watch competition for second through to 10th. I actually want to see people vying for wins. And when you've got uh, Max doing as well as he does, and I've always said, you've got the best driver in the best car with the best team. You'll always win. Well, they've definitely got that, but something needs to happen because otherwise people are just going to jump off in droves no uh netflix documentary is going to save it if you just keep on having domination by one bloke yep nice agree with that um i've just realized i've actually quite predictably not ranked my knots in order so i'm just going to roll them out as i've got them written my hots are um the endless predictability of social media is a knot um you, you just knew so many times this year what was going to happen when something happened on track there was an incident and you know straight away you just groan and go ah there's going to be morons in the digital sphere that are commenting Uh on this with no knowledge with no idea of what's going on um drove me mad this year uh and it doesn't get any better um and we can talk about it until the cows come home and you can moderate comments as much as you like um and you can tear your hair out moderating social media in our sport and i know it's not just our sport i know it's everywhere but um the predictability of some of the morons on social media accounts um is just a massive knot for mine be be better just be better at life and the old adage that my parents used to tell me which was if you don't have anything nice to say don't say it at all so i think that needs to um, be in the background of people's lives you can't you can't say that during the knots then we're not gonna have no no the difference is, is that we're being we're constructive oh you haven't knots. heard my next one yet have you well <laughs> i'm anyway <laughs> that's fine <laughs> next all right well, i'll have a chop at number nine you know what i'm definitely not gonna not mobile phone providers such as optus telstra vodafone tpg belong aldi mobile gomo among others and i'm definitely not gonna not 
American telcos like Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, Dish, US Cellular, Cellular, Xfinity, and so on. I'm definitely not going to knot any of their respective leadership teams. That's all. <laughs> That's an excellent knot. <laughs> it is a good knot. That's very good. It's deep, it's, but it's yeah, good. Yeah, a bit of, bit of subtext there. I love it. That's good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, not for me, Newcastle Council and their uh, absolute irresponsibility to their region and the extent that they to the extent that they've lost a uh, a race that would have brought in economic benefit right around that entire region for that period of time uh that's gone it won't happen again we uh, see that the Newcastle council now is looking at fixing up roads so it can't happen again so it's just an absolutely stupid move they had it there on a platter it was theirs they weren't even paying for the bloody thing it was being paid for by the new south wales government yet still no, he got pissed off about it. So it's gone. The region loses it, and that is just sad. And we lose a great venue for a supercar race. Big knot for me. Yeah, I had that on my list as well, Shebex. Um, I loved Newcastle. I, it's a great city. It's a city that I'd never have gone to had I not needed to go there for car racing. They've got a great airplane museum at the uh, RAF base slash airport, which is outstanding. Um, that's always a win like that. Terrific. I know some people didn't like the racetrack. I thought it was sketchy as anything, which is I, I'm here for. So, no, very, very disappointing. Uh, so, yes, I echo your thoughts on that one. That was one of my knots as well. That was right at the top of my list. Um, I'm going to knot the parody debacle. Um, and, and more to the point, the way and how publicly it played out. And, and the fact that we're now, as we record this on the 12th of December, uh, only now getting stories about the cars being absolutely line ball equal following the wind shear, wind tunnel testing in the United States. I, I think it's been a really bad look for our sport. Um, it's not the first time it's happened in supercars. It seems to be a one every three or four yearly thing that we have to go through. There has to be a better way. There has to be a better way with this. And the fact that NASCAR managed to equalise three different body shapes so successfully for a whole platform of different races... Um, indicates that there needs to be a better way for us to to go about this. So that that's been a massive downside for supercars this year, and what should have been a celebration of these sexy looking new racing cars, um, it's left a massive massive um, asterisk next to a lot of the year and the way it played out. So the parody debacle is a not from me. Can I just jump off the back of that too, and, and just mm. say the, the real disappointing thing for me is is that we've had this situation before. How long ago was it? Four or five years ago, we had parody situation. Yeah. And the way it was handled then was just as bad. You would have thought they would have learnt from that situation, coming into uh, coming into this new era. But well, they just may- haven't. But maybe they have because there's a new motorsport boss and there's new new people coming in and they've created new roles. So maybe it's just taken all of this yeah. and sabre rattling from Ford and all of the other stuff that's gone on this year um, in, in very public circumstances to um, to get it right. Right. Uh, my number eight knot is. I just get the feeling that at the end for motorsport at Sandown's getting really close. You know, the way that motorsport's been treated there this year hasn't really been fantastic. Just basic things, you know, like cutting the grass for spectators, the officials. It's been a battle. And this is from a venue whose absolute core bread and butter is cutting grass and they can't seem to do it for us. <laughs> you know, the Sandown 500 is being rolled out next year. But beyond that, she, Shell V Power Motorsport Park over at the bend. That's it mouthful isn't it mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. lot of words there in a racetrack title uh you know they've been promised in Giro in 2025 we know that they're not flexible on budging on 12 events 
So will they add another Enduro? What will give? Under that scenario of Sandown losing the Enduro to the bend, Melbourne's going to, or Victoria, the second most popular state, is going to wind up having one event for supercars on the undercard, four strings down under the F1 and the battle of who could care less. Yeah. And I think that's a bit of a problem for supercars across the board because, you know, Brisbane, their round is 90 minutes away on the Gold Coast. Um, Sydney's got a round at Sydney Motorsport Park, but Sydney Motorsport Park's got this awful stigma attached to it that nobody ever wants to go there. So I think we've got a bit of an issue there and I hope that it gets resolved. Um, Back to Sandown, safety continues to be pretty sketched there and it's a sad way to look at it, but if it gets shut down, that's uh, possibly doing motorsport a bit of a service there in one respect, which is a a really sad way to look at it. But uh, yeah, it's a bit sad. Every time you go to Sandown, it's like, well, this ain't going to be here very much longer. So that was my number eight. No, and that leads beautifully into my next knot, and that is the TV deal that supercars currently have. That has to change at the next time round because we can't have a limitation of only 12 races for the year. There's some fantastic tracks and beautiful tracks being left without races. And we speak, of course, of Winton. We speak, of course, of Phillip Island, Queensland Raceway as well. And I suppose if they had their way, the Bend wouldn't have any racing. Also, that's uh, sort of been in and out of the calendar at particular times as well. So we need to have a much more flexible calendar and we need to be racing more than once every four weeks, especially in the first six or seven races of the year to keep momentum going and uh, to keep the fans excited. Otherwise, uh, this sport will just go past. Nicely said. Uh, Not the Newcastle slash SVG thing. What a terrible way to start the year. Uh, and, And this stems on from the previous comment was that it's so frustrating that we launched into this brand new era with these, the whole storyline around the championship this year, based on these new cars, Mustang and Camaro, good looking racing cars. They, they look great. They sounded great. They were awesome to watch good liveries, good drivers. Um, And then the overriding storyline after the opening round of the championship in Newey wasn't about the racing at all. It was about the Shane Van Gisbergen thing that went on. Such a disappointing way to start the championship. And I feel like that cloud that hung over the championship, like it took, I don't know if it ever fully went away this year, but it took till Bathurst, I feel like, when we could all just celebrate being at Bathurst with a million people for that to properly sort of move. So that was a big knot for mine. That was such a frustrating, disappointing way. And and there are so many people to... Uh, blame's not the right word, but sure, people to blame with how that rolled out. It's not just one person. It's not just Shane. It's not just the sport. There were so many contributing factors to all of that, and all of them are very frustrating. Um, and I think we all needed to be a bit more grown up about the way our sport managed that whole um, that whole scenario there. So that was frustrating. Not yes. Uh, my next one was Avalon Speedway. That was a real disappointment when I went there earlier in the year. And you can sort of tack on the whole state of Speedway in Australia at the moment. It's just a bit painful. You know, we've covered extensively here on the show. Brisbane, Sydney, they don't have facilities anymore. You know, Melbourne's options near Geelong and it's no good. And Adelaide's tracks out in the country. So uh, we love Speedway. It's the summer of Speedway now. It's all kicking off. But uh It's not in a very good way around Australia at the moment. Unfortunately, they need a few more facilities a bit closer to town. Pass next. 
Uh, if you just pass. No, no, I'll come back in. Yeah, it's like the draft, isn't it? <laughs> yes. At pick six, R. Crail. That's far too high. Um, I'm going to give a nod to motorsport calendars, and this isn't necessarily oh. have I stolen your thunder no, here. No, but that would have been <laughs> my next one. Well, good, because feel free to chime in because it's, and I'm not necessarily just talking about the whole 12 round supercar dealio. Uh, there, there is so much, and in a way it's a good thing, right? Because there's so much high quality professional level motorsport at the moment, both from a state level and a national level that we could fill comfortably every single weekend of the year, five times over now. But they're, they're just, there's so much on now that, that, and a lot of people in this industry, and, and I don't want this to sound like a complaint because it's not, but a lot of people in this industry that work in the media, that work in TV, that especially the mechanics that work on teams that are freelancers or work on race teams that run cars in multiple different series are now doing 20 or 25 race meetings a year. And I wonder how sustainable that is for people. This is the Formula One argument that they're having at the moment that 24 Grands Prix is too many and that it's going to break people. And I'm just, I, I just have concerns about that. And, and then there's the flow on from that is consumption of it all. And at what point is there too much of a good thing? Uh, so I, I just think there needs to be more, more thinking about calendars and the way that they play out and the way that they, um, the way that they roll out. So that's, I, I don't have an answer to the question of how to fix it, by the way, but uh, I just think it's something our sport needs to be pretty cognizant of. Hmm. I'll, uh, I'll jump in after Mark. So I guess to, on the tail of that, I had to sound like Grandpa Simpson, but there are too many race meetings at Mount Panorama. Please eliminate two. <laughs> I am not a crackpot. <laughs> Next year, yeah, there's five key national race meetings there in a club level sprint. It's too many. You know, it's detracting. I think it's detracting from the aura of the place when you wind up going there every second month. You know, it's the hardest and most expensive track to get to. It's the most costly and labor intensive to run. It's incredibly hard on the volunteer officials who expect to give up their holidays, transport themselves there, stand out in the fog all day long. You know, I hope motorsport figures it out uh, that five race meetings and six essentially is too many and it's a bad idea to have a short staffed race meeting there because ultimately the thing that'll give there is safety and that's track's got a lot more consequences than anywhere anywhere else in the country and i hope that it never ever comes to that so yeah you gentlemen know who anika wells is oh she's a politician in queensland isn't she yeah no minister of sport for australia okay she needs to put a motion forward in parliament to ensure that if you have a supercar race in your state, there is to be no other motor racing in your state at the same time. I cannot believe that we have a state round of racing at Phillip Island on exactly the same weekend that supercars are at Sandown. It's just, and a, and it's a double ASA. Belief. And a double ASA made it calder. So three well, Seriously, race meetings. so we've got three yeah. meetings. Oh, yeah. Well, that's in just, Melbourne on the one weekend. That is that's just absolutely gonna stupid. Never mm. going to work. It's ridiculous. 52 weeks of the year and they have to pick that weekend to host a state round in Phillip Island and Calder when you've got possibly the last race meeting ever at Sandown. Possibly. Mm. It's just oh, it's just ridiculous. A big, huge knot, that. Please, Anika Wells, draft some legislation that says if you have a supercars event in your state, 
There is to be no other motor racing. End of story. Good luck. Uh, my next one is a not for the way, and and I need to, I need to preface this by saying that I, I've been involved this year with from a business side with this group, but the the way the ARG thing has a been dragged through the cleaners a little bit this year, um, and and some of that may be warranted, some may not. Um, but, but the way things have sort of got to a full stop there versus the way it all started in a pretty short space of time with two years off for a pandemic in the middle of it, that that's probably the frustrating thing that I'll not because it launched so hard with so much investment in both TCR and then events and then buying things like Trans Am and all of that and, and, Touring Car Masters and setting up S5000 and all of that. And everyone remembers that Sandown 2019 race meeting, which we're like, oh, wow, this is the coolest thing ever because there's this money being spent and there's a legitimate crowd and it was all pretty spectacular. And, oh, look, Rubens Barrichello. Um, just seeing the way that that's, um, the, the curve has come down on the other side, I suppose, has been, um, has been a knot for mine. That, that's been a really disappointing ending to something and it's not an ending i should say because tcr will definitely continue on and trans am will continue on and the other categories may continue on in in slightly different guises but um yeah that's that's been frustrating that's that's been a knot for mine this year and just watching that play out and, and i suppose being involved in seeing that play out with uh with an inside line as part of being involved in that broadcast this year as well hmm. uh my number five not is if you have a class of 10 cars just don't Come back when you've got a decent field. Seriously, piss wet grids in motorsport takes away so much from the enjoyment of going to a racetrack. I understand that it's a restraint of trade to tell someone that they can't do something. And I understand the desire that everyone needs to get a bloody trophy, but it's embarrassing. If you've got a 10 car grid, don't do it. Come back when you've got more. Thank you. Uh, my not is food at racetracks, especially on uh, state rounds as well. And it happened a couple of times this year where you would get to a racetrack and the only thing there was one truck selling fried food and everything else that goes into a frying pan or into a no, deep fryer. That's the only reason I'd go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing Not for doing? three days, Mark. <laughs> you want to have some sort of something. A salad no, roll. I don't, eat, I don't eat takeaway during the week, Tone. I'm mm. hanging out for that. Chicken nuggies. That that's the dream. Yeah. <laughs> Chicken burgers three days in a row just doesn't do it for me. We need more variety. If we're gonna if we want people to come to these events, we've got to give them more variety. I mean, state racing is fantastic at the at the best of times. There's some great cars out there, some really good competition. But if you want people to come and watch it, you've got to give them a reason to come. And motor racing is a good reason, but it's not the only reason. We just need to make it a little bit more uh, better. We need to be better than that. Uh, I've only got three left. So, Mark, do you want to dive in with your next one? We'll pass. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, righto. So, it's the 2024 calendar. I realise that's a 2024 thing, but it was announced in 2023, so I'm counting it. I, I realise that there's contracts in place. There's maths to be done. There's a set of constraints that are too hard to shake. But 12 rounds of supercars, it's, it's not enough. You know, it was mentioned earlier that Bathurst 2 events there's a cop-out. I'd imagine during Tony Cochran's reign that the 
thing that happened at Newcastle wouldn't have happened in his day. You know, then you look tracks like Queensland Raceway, Winton, Phillip Island, the Bend, they miss out on rounds. And Phillip Island, the Bend are our two best race tracks. They shouldn't be missing out on rounds. If you can't make races work there, uh, there's something wrong. You know, I'd, in my little utopian society, my underlying aim of a sport like this would be a desire to grow it. But you can't when you're trapped in this mess. You know, F1's got 24 races. NASCAR race 40 times a year. Even IndyCar's back out to 18 events. You can't build momentum or storylines with 12 events. It's not enough. You know, you're going to battle to get relevancy there at the best of times. Then again, if your storyline's rubbish parody, you don't want it to be out there. So mm-hmm. maybe you're better off just having 12 rounds. Yep. Nice. Uh, my next one, uh, I will keep brief because it's pretty simple answer. The question is, uh, is our sport delivering all it can for what it costs, both from a competitor standpoint and from a punter customer? I hate using that term, but customer standpoint. The answer is no, it's a not. I, I don't think that the bang for buck in Australian motorsport is anywhere near where it needs to be. And it could be more affordable in so many different ways. It's a not. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. I'll have another chop. Uh, losing SVG to the sport is just such an epic fail. He's our best driver. And once again, the other week, he was voted our most popular driver. Yeah, there's multiple things at play here. Firstly, there's the whole Newcastle weekend that was touched on earlier. He said some very vanilla things on Friday. It was given a pull through by a certain member of the supercars hierarchy. He was disqualified on Saturday. Then there was the he said, she said argument with Adrian Burgess after that. There was the post-race carry-on with Jess and Chad. He had to walk back through that from that during the week. So that whole weekend was just an absolute shocker. He never really got along with Gen 3. He seemed to have more wonky steering racks than anyone else. And they even threw him a new car mid-season, and that didn't seem to help. Uh, he was a crash test dummy at the Grand Prix, Simmons Plains, testing at QR. Uh, and he seemed to battle in qualifying by his standards a lot. You know, the worst possible thing for supercars was him winning that race in Chicago. It just provided the absolute perfect escape at the right time for SVG to say, hey, I can go and do this elsewhere. You know, after Chicago, he rolled back to Townsville that next week. He qualified last. The thing was an absolute pig. The head shaking from Shane that weekend was horrendous. You, you could have sworn that they put a bobblehead in that number 97 car. It was shaking all over the place. And the cherry on top was that double DNF in Adelaide. You know, he's got the biggest fan base in supercars and they didn't get a chance to say goodbye to him fair and square on the racetrack where he probably would have gone out there and donged them for a win. So, yeah, the, the whole season, how it unraveled for SVG, I'm going to knot that as my third knot. If I can then add to that, the the knot for me out of all that is what seemed to be the 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 lack of want to try and keep SVG in the sport. Nobody actually seemed to be working behind the scenes to try and fix up some issues for SVG to see if he actually would stay. And I know it was probably beyond that. I, thought, I know that Shane was probably ready to move to the next level anyway and had been for a while. But it just seemed like there was nothing here to try and keep Shane in the sport. And any sport that loses one of their champions is worse off for it. And I think we will be probably for uh, for the first year or two as SVG goes and does his stuff. Uh, uh, fantastic to the guys uh, at Erebus and the like. They're, they're moving on. They're getting up there, you know. Brody is doing a great job, but he's not Shane. 
and to lose Shane. We've lost Jamie two years ago. We lose Shane this year. There's two big names that have been taken out of the sport. Scotty the year think... before. Hey? Scotty the year before. Yeah, Scotty the year before. Three mm. massive names that have been taken out of the sport, and I just uh, hope the sport can uh, recover from it with the, with the current crop of drivers. Uh, I'll keep my next one quick as well because we have spent a lot of time on these knots uh, and we want to be positive. Uh, open wheel racing this country, that makes me a sad panda. Um, it's just a bit depressing at the moment. Formula Ford's still great, but it's got no visibility. Uh, S5000 cars are awesome, but there's not enough of them and it's in a state at the moment with some of the stuff that's been going on this week in the media. Uh, and now Formula Four's coming back. Can we support it? Probably not. So open wheel racing in this part of the world needs a big, big shake-up. Uh, if at all it can exist, I don't know. But and thank it, you, um, Tim Macro, for trying. Yep, yeah, 100%. Uh, and, you know, Australian Formula Open could be the, the shining beacon through all of that. So um, that's a knot from mine, and I've got one more to go. Good. I've got uh, two to go. So second to last knot for mine was Gen 3. It didn't go well, did it? Yeah, you know, the parody was just terrible. It nearly drove Ford from the sport, and they are genuinely one of the biggest backers of the whole competition. There's the fires with the Mustangs, that rolling start on Sunday morning at the Grand Prix, the garbage steering racks and other components that just fell apart. Uh, the cars costing twice as much as the cars they replaced, which were overpriced in the first place. They were hard to repair. Then there was the fact that there was just a general air of negativity around the whole sport. You know, three of the 28 races were generally genuinely memorable and reading the financial press there lately it's noted that the championship made a loss for the first time in ages Bathurst sucked and there were more you know the sport can't go and do that again I hope 2024 is a lot better year for supercars my final knot and I had a big go at this one through the year is the lack of a national timing system at our racetracks around Australia there's a couple of systems that do the job they don't do they? talk to each other. There's no fr no timing on Fridays at most events, uh, especially at state rounds and the like. Supercars there is, but not for others. We just need to get this right. People enjoy once again. It's it's giving the public what they want and what they need. If there's a race happening in Morgan Park and you've got a, a grandson or you've got a nephew racing Formula Ford up there in Morgan Park, you want to see how he's going. You want to watch the timing screen, but you can't. It's just... Way beyond me. I don't know. Fix it up, please, people. Let's have one national timing screen. I know that competition's great, but let's just have one that works and we could all work from there. Oh, I could not endorse that more. Yeah, yeah, that is the best knot you have contributed this year, Shebex. Thank you, mate. Well done. Well done. We operate in the dark ages when it comes to race timing software. The operators are fine, but the software, it's pretty terrible. Uh, my... Final knot, and this was my number one knot. Uh, and I say this with the clause that I am still very passionate about it. I love it. Uh, I watch too much of it. Uh, I'm invested in all the storylines. I love everything that goes on in it. Um, fortunate to even have a little small role in it for one weekend a year. But my knot this year is Formula One. Uh, it has just been such a disappointing season of Formula One and not just the domination, not just the domination. The fact that so many races this year felt meaningless because, A, because Max was going to be out in front, but because there was no hope. You watch an IndyCar race, there's hope. There's hope that you might be 10th mid-race, but you could still win. 
even a supercar race this year, there was hope that something might happen. But in Formula One, because of the way the sport is run and the regulations around it, there's no hope. There's no variability or very rarely the variability and that unpredictability of success in knowing that at the start of a race, you don't know who's going to win it. That's what Formula One needs. And even though supercars had its challenges this year, you still started a supercar race going, gee, Brody could win this, or it could be Will Brown, or it could be Shane or Brock, or if the Fords were having a good day, it could be Cam Waters or Chaz Mostert. Um, and hopefully next year it will be even better. And it got bigger than that with the number of different people we saw on the podium, like, oh, David Reynolds, where did he come from? What a great result. Formula One, with very few exceptions, had that this year. Um, they need, they must, must, must work towards a regulation set that allows teams to still do their own thing, but also that allows more than one, any one team at any one given time to be the dominant example, which is the cycle of Formula One racing. We get one good season when everyone gets themselves together after five years of consistency and regulations, then we change the regs. And then it takes forever for the same thing to happen. This has been a cycle in Formula One for 40 years. And it will continue to be so as long as the same rules are. Um, and Zach Brown came out in the media this week and said, we've got a cost cap now. We can't spend any more than $140 million or whatever it is. Open the rule book up. So let people make cool shit because we know now that they can't spend all that crazy money anyway. So... I think Formula One, with the notable exceptions this year of Las Vegas, which was great, Singapore, which was a great race, and Melbourne, which was an insane race. Um, even if Max won, Formula One gets a knot from me this year, and that's coming as a pretty hardcore Formula One fan. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, now, keep in mind, this will be my number one next year as well. <laughs> my number one is, once again, Mikel Azcona, who, <laughs> under safety car at Bathurst, completely forgot that he was driving a race car and drove absolutely face first into the forest elbow fence, ruining the one lap dash to decide the TCR Australia title, ruin the race, the day, the weekend, the year. Mikel Ascona, you are a not. <laughs> That's good. Uh, you it's really haven't gotten over that, have you? No. Uh, Both of you will. Mm. Mm. Nah, nice. Well done, boys. Uh, so that's all the negative stuff out of the way. We're going to finish on a positive with our Caltex Hots, and there'll be plenty of them as well. Mark, would you like to kick it off again? Oh, hang on. I've got to scroll up a lot. Oh, okay. Hang on. Cool. Oh, well, Richard, if you've got... Well, yeah, well I'll, I'll rattle out my bonus hots because there are quite a few. Um, it's been a very big year, and you will notice a, a theme through some of this as well. Um, hots, the Townsville Qantas Club gets hot because that's where uh having been delayed there for 24 hours after our flight was completely randomly uh cancelled uh myself and my colleague matt nolte sat down and had a very lovely chat with andrew bender if you don't know who andrew is he's the boss of city rural insurance brokers who are a great sponsor of this show now uh so that was a really good opportunistic meeting uh so well done townsville Qantas club you are small but you are effective uh, Mark talked about sprint cars before. I hadn't been to sprint cars in about six years. I went to Murray Bridge in November. Hot. So cool. And the the potential is hot there. Someone just needs to grab it and make it a big thing. And speaking of doing that, drag racing, hot. 
How good? Nathan Prendergast, Andy Lopez, National Drag Racing Championship. They have won over the politics and are just going racing with the wildest racing cars in this country. That is a hot. Uh, hot staying 500 metres from the front gate of Mount Panorama. That was a hot this year. I think that was outstanding. Uh, IndyCar, thoroughly enjoyable racing. That's a hot. Um, little overseas adventure this year. Took me to some cool places. Abista Heritage. That's hot. That's a really cool place. Really enjoyed going there and checking out some of the stuff going on. Um, the French motorways, hot. They're empty. You can go quite quickly. And every 50Ks or so, there's a signpost saying what you're driving through. Uh, the two I liked particularly was the sign saying that we were just driving through Camembert, where the cheese comes from. Uh, and then the one with the Rothmans Porsches on it as we drove into the township of Le Mans. Speaking of uh, Rothmans Porsches, the Le Mans Museum gets a, uh, a hot, and it almost made my top 10. Uh, with their 100th anniversary of the 24 hours of Le Mans race display was the best thing I've seen in a car museum ever. So outstanding. Uh, and on that theme, uh, United Autosport get a hot because that's where we got our catering across the 24-hour weekend this year, and they were bloody magnificent. Well done. Uh, hot to drone shows. I'd never seen a drone show before this year. Now I've seen two, and I am all the way here for them. Love okay. them. Better than fireworks? Oh, I, I, well, this one had both. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big budget, the old Frenchies Spoiled. for the, the 24. Uh, hot. Uh, hot, the John Wick movies. I watched three of them going over to France this year and the other one coming Fantastic. back. That's a hot. Love John Wick. Uh, hot, Ice House. Saw them twice at motor racing events this year. Sensational. Uh, hot, Hyundai XL Racing. Because it is. Just because. Uh, and the Adelaide 500 is uh, in my bonus hots as well. Okay. Uh, look, uh, like you, I'd like to take this opportunity to, to hot Caltex and City Rural Insurance. Uh, you know, including them in the top 10 would be unfair to the rest of motorsports. So uh, they'll get honourable mentions off the top here. Uh, yeah. I'd like to mention the Rally Retro Fest in Melbourne. That's uh, one of motorsports' best kept secrets. So uh, it's coming up in February. Go and check it out. Uh, P11 is the concept of holidaying in Bathurst, a thing we did in the New <laughs> Year's. Uh, and it's something that, frankly, I'm going to repeat next week. So if hmm. you're, you are at Reckless Brewing on December 20th, hmm. I'll be there. That'll be a thing that's going to happen. <laughs> Do you want me to dive into number 10? I'll dive into number 10, please. Uh, Vicstat Race Series. Uh, an awful lot to like in that department. First of all, they, I really massively rate the fact that they went to time certain finishes for all the classes, which yep. was done in an effort to clean up some of the carnage in a few other categories. And it, I think it worked by and large. It was a really good clean racing over the years. Um, Blendline TV's coverage of it is just sensational. Love it. And I, I really enjoyed doing that feature on uh, Dan and the team at Blendline for the race talk. That was really cool. Uh, all the different classes had their own strengths, but the stuff that I really liked this year were the Formula Vs and the BMW E30s, Hyundai Excels, HQ Holdens, sports sedans, saloon cars, Formula Ford, Porsche 944s and pre-production and group ends. And I guess the MGs had their moments too. So that's all of them. Well done. Yeah, hmm. well done. And uh, my, I'll give my first hot then off yours, and that was in my hot uh, Blendline TV. Their coverage this year of state racing especially has just been absolutely amazing and uh, batting above their weight, really, to an extent. They're not a they're not a uh, Channel 7, a Channel 9, a Channel 10, or a Fox. They're uh, just a little video company that 
is able to get a few cameras together and just give great coverage. Commentary is fantastic, uh, led by Darren Smith and the team there. And uh, when they went down to the bend, I think we had 12 cameras mm. running at the bend at that mm. race, which is just spectacular. So well done to those guys. They do a great job and they keep motor racing going. And uh, where I said, you know, people can't watch their grandson on a timing screen, well, at least they can watch them on a, a video screen. Nice. Like it. Uh, I will warn you, a couple of my hots are reasonably personal hots to me this self-indulgent. year. Self-indulgent? So well, no, I try not to be self-indulgent, Shebex, but uh, hey, it's the end of the year. Let's lean into the skid. Uh, so at number 10, uh, haven't raced yet. Uh, only two test days down, but uh, hot Johnston Crail race uh, enterprises. Because... Um, who in the world would have thought I would ever own a racing car team? Uh, and it's been a dream of mine for a long time. And we've realized it this year. So that's pretty cool. Um, that's a massive hot. And uh, I missed our first test day because we were at the bend working with Porsche. But uh, seeing that car blaze around at the great Malala Motorsport Park, which is a venue dear to my heart that I grew up literally did my motorsport apprenticeship at, um, met my heroes at as a kid, uh, much like Mark did at Lakeside, um, to see a car that I've got some blood in the game in uh, going around there. Uh, testing was pretty special. And uh, seeing us race at round one at Mount Panorama is going to be even specialer. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to self-indulge myself and uh, call that a hot because... Um, that's pretty freaking cool. And there's cooler things to come. Well, I'm going to sub hot you there for talking about it on the podcast. That's a nice touch. Thanks for that, Richard. No, thank you. I have, I have had feedback this year that I don't talk about it enough. Well, you got so, to talk it up. Well, Your we're team. getting there. Mm. Uh, I'd like to, at my number nine, hot motor carnering. Uh, look, it's a hard nod if it's performed at the Gold Coast 600 instead of a racing class. But uh, <laughs> if it's done in the back lots of packing them in a paddock, absolutely red hot. Look, and being completely self-indulgent, at one event, I finished fourth outright and first in class with a dead set slow and steady, wins the race approach. Well, didn't quite win the race, but uh, look, that's as good as I'll ever get in motorsport, I'm afraid, people. And then I got to drive my race car to work the next day. That was bloody sensational. Get out there, get involved with grassroots motorsport. I can guarantee you it is better than sitting at home and go and have a skid in your car for 30 bucks, and it is just rad balls fun. Go and do it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, while we talk about the lack of excitement in Formula One and lack of winners, uh, also with uh, the, the racing being dominated by one person, that cannot be said for my hot, which is Porsche Carrera Cup. What a fantastic mm. year they had. I hope I'm not stealing one of yours here, Richard. I may be. Safe but, to say. Uh, to have that championship go right down to the very, very last race and to have seven round winners out of eight races and all that sort of stuff, just amazing stuff. Great competition, fantastic, and uh, just kept you enthralled right throughout that whole weekend in Adelaide until, uh, of course, it was all over. But, uh, yeah, that was good. Great stuff, Porsche. Congratulations to you guys and uh, your drivers and teams. Mm. No, I agree with that nicely. I, I will elaborate on that uh, further up the leaderboard. Please do. Um, this next one is also quite uh, a personal one for mine. And sometimes in this game, uh, it's it's we all work very, very hard. You can get worn down with all the travel. Uh, the politics are the worst thing in the world. Um, and there's a lot of negativity in our sport. So sometimes you do just need to sit back and take stock 
of what you've got and how good it is. And my number nine hot is the people that I get to work with. Uh, and I'd, I'd circled the, the TV industry side of things more than anything, but this obviously includes you fine gentlemen as well. But um, I, I sat down and looked at it and the 10 year old R. Crail would have lost his shit at the people I get to work with this year because not only TV professionals like Matty White, who is just an awesome guy at television, Greg Rust, who's the nicest bloke on television. Um, my good mates, Chad and Nolts, who are the best callers in our game, Chris Stubbs, who is just such a legend. Um, but then how on earth has this happened that I get to work with like Tom Clarkson, who's been covering Formula One for 25 years, the 1996 world champion, Damon Hill. Like what? How did that happen? Craig Lowndes. I called Carrera Cup all year with Craig Lowndes. The bloke's won Bathurst seven times. He's been on the podium of the great race more times than any other human being in the history of the world. I called the 12 hour with Garth Tander. It's insane. Radio Le Mans with Hindoff and all the crew there. And, ah, oh, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty special. It really is. Um, and, um, you know, people like Johnny Molum falling off his chair while we're calling it Le Mans. It just, it, it blows my mind that I get to work with these incredible broadcasters, but incredible people. And, uh, it easily makes my, uh, my top 10 knots. So you're obviously not a believer of the dog. saying, never meet your heroes. No, well, Shebex, I've met a lot of my heroes in this journey and they're all bloody great for the most part. Like Excellent. I've met cricketers and they're all brilliant and motorsport people and they're brilliant and they're about all the only heroes I've got. So, yeah. Uh, look, winning the class in the Matacana was one thing, but winning the whole freaking Supercars Championship, <laughs> that was just another. <laughs> that was that was a bit of a moment. Uh, uh, look, there, there are a couple of really great moments from that weekend. Uh, obviously, being there for the championship celebrations with Erebus on Saturday afternoon, that was really, really special. The emotions there were real. Um, the other one was shadowing SVG on the grid on Sunday, uh, just sort of following them around, seeing what the vibe was uh, around there. Shane was himself. He was his own reserved, shy sort of cat that he is. But looking around at all the people around him, the feeling was, if I could put it into words, it was, yep this is happening. Like that was the way that it sort of felt there in the grid. It was really weird. I remember when he climbed aboard, I turned to a friend of the pod, Brian Vanderwacker, and I said, you know, we won't be seeing this for a while. Shane getting on board a number 97, he's going to the USA and he'd be going there for a long time. And yeah, there, there won't be cameos. They race 40 weekends a year. They, mm. There's not going to be time to come back here and do racing and testing and all the things that you need to do. Um, as a sport, you know, we can be proud of the exports like Marcus Ambrose, McLaughlin, Van Gisbergen. It's a not that we lose our biggest names from time to time, but by the same token, we know that when we see these guys race 12 times a year, we're seeing world-class guys go at it, which is something I think we can be proud of. So in summary, at number eight, I've got a mixed bag, absolute ramble. <laughs> well, I'll just jump in, Shebex, because yeah. I had next Erebus and Brody in particular as well, because I, I think their achievement this year was outstanding. Amazing. Um, and we talked about it on the show the other week about, you know, they're not a privateer team, let's be honest. And they, they say they are, and that's fine. But, you know, th this isn't like Glenn Seaton racing going and beating everyone in 97. But at, at the same point, you know, they're, they're not the favoured manufacturer team. They're doing it on their own. They've got a, a wealthy benefactor, but they've got a great sponsor and, 
two drivers and and more importantly they're the first of the the teams not acknowledged to be in the big league of the sport that have dominated triple eight djr or tickford for the last 15 years so i think it's an enormous accomplishment what erebus have achieved uh in motorsport given if you go back 10 years in 2013 um you know they won the bathurst 12 hour and they were this comedy of Mercedes trying to get into supercars and all the dramas that started. I don't know if at that point you ever thought that they would get to this stage of winning supercars championships. So, so comprehensively like they did. So I think it's an outstanding achievement. Loved it. It certainly was. Another outstanding achievement was uh, Oscar Piastri winning an F1 race, even though it was a sprint race, becoming the fifth Australian to claim F1 victory. What an amazing effort by him in his debut year to actually step up and grab that. He's had a fantastic year driving-wise as well. Uh, ended up in the points numerous times. So congratulations to you, Oscar Piastri. You turned what was a boring F1 season into a little bit of uh, something that was bearable. I like that his personality came out too during the year. Yeah. Like we, we got to see that side of him, which I don't think we sort of... When he replaced Dan, it was a bit like, oh, who's this imposter coming yeah, in and taking yeah. Dan's seat? But I think we all got around him by the end of the year and seeing what he's really like. So. And we'll hot his mum as well for her oh, social yeah. media yeah. comments. Yeah. For her social media content. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Or you just, yes. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Just yeah. checking. Uh, <laughs> my number seven was truly one of the most batshit crazy things I've ever done in my life was riding shotgun with Glenn Ridge on the opening day of Targa High Country, mm. uh, which took in laps of the incredible road up Mount Buller. Uh, it was interesting. You know, it came at the time when Targa was uh, having a fair bit of a blue with Motorsport Australia. And the storm absolutely blew up between the two on the eve of the event when Motorsport Australia placed a 100 kilometer an hour speed limit on the touring section, which keep in mind, most of the fatal accidents that happened in Targa in recent times have happened at less than 100 kilometers an hour. You know, so we lined up there in the start line, like everyone else in the tour without helmets, because that's what you did a, apparently. Uh, and then we made up our, our way up the hill where you physically can't get faster than hundred Ks an hour and more than a couple of places. So uh, that was interesting. Glenn Ridge, my God, what a peddler. He can steer that boy. He is amazing. The Mazda RX-7 SP, like that was one of my absolute favorite cars as a kid growing up, watching those things win the, the 12 hours around the country. They were an amazing piece of kit and they still are absolutely hammers that car. That was awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't have to navigate a whole heap on that thing. Glenn knew exactly what he was doing at all times. Uh, absolutely the best passenger ride I've ever been on. 10 out of 10 would recommend, uh, when Targa becomes a thing again in a couple of years time. <laughs> Very good. Well, my next one, uh, it sort of riffs on Shebex. Um, and I've, I've just done some jumbling here, but the, the Piastri thing was an awesome story, no doubt. But, but I would add to that by saying Aussies overseas, full stop. Mm. So SVG at Chicago, um, Scotty continuing to be a force in IndyCar and not being that far away from a championship and, and being in contention for it up to the final couple of rounds. Will Power still a badass. Jack Doohan rescuing a tough start to Formula 2 and continuing to be quick. Um, Aussies in sports car racing. Scott Andrews is doing great things in sports cars. Uh, around the world. Um, James Allen doing great things in sports cars around the world. Um, the list goes on and on and on. And I, we're just, we're at such a good spot with Australians overseas. Like there's two of the top 20 racing car drivers in the world by designation of being Formula One drivers are Australians at the moment. How cool is that? 
Mm. What a remarkable thing to be enjoying for our sport here to have such a global representation in all of the top racing championships in the world at the moment. And, and they're all genuinely competitive and they're all super characters and they're all great for our sport. Yeah. Well then I'll, can I just quickly throw one in then another one of my hots was Daniel Ricciardo, of course, getting his seat back in F1 this year as well. I think a lot of us thought that that may never happen again, or if it was going to happen, you'd have to wait for a change possibly to the, uh, the main team at Red Bull. But uh, it was just great to see Daniel being given the opportunity at the junior team. And uh, he did pretty well until he broke his hand or his wrist or whatever he did. Sent him off a couple of races, but he's back in there. And I think 2024 for uh, Daniel and also for Oscar could be pretty good years. How long before he gets a call up to replace Sergio? Six rounds. Six? Over or under on that ship? Maybe 10, actually. I reckon he might replace him for the Australian Grand Prix. Oh, here we go. Third round. 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 Righto, mate. Yeah, cool. Mm. Uh, My Hockenheim adventure to see the GT World Challenge Europe comes in at six. Uh, Look, it took four trains to get there, four to get home. Hockenheim was a bit of a dump, but it was just so incredibly worth it. You know, you know the adventure you put in to get to Lamar there, Rich. It's half the trip getting there is the the memories from the the adventure. Highlights included... um, you know, all the spectators were there simply to stalk Valentino Rossi. For every spectator, there were two hospitality trucks. Every drug dealer in Europe was at Hockenheim that <laughs> weekend, which was impressive. Uh, the schnitzel, oh my God, the beef schnitzel, what a thing. Uh, also half a litre of beer for €4.50 and a bottle of Jägermeister for €3.50, which you could get from the tuck shop built into the pit lane building any time <laughs> of the day. And as a concept, I'd love to see that replicated. Everywhere else in motorsport, I think mm. motorsport would be improved by a half litre of beer at lunchtime. Much better off. Mm. Uh, in at six for me, the Garage 56 NASCAR program at Lemoore. Wowie. That was one of the coolest... Oh, I don't even know how to describe it. The coolest ways for a manufacturer to engage in a race. And bearing in mind, a race that GM is already heavily involved in with Cadillac back in the World Endurance Championship um, with the Corvette racing program in GTs and their final year, which they won, which was incredible. Um, But the way that Garage 56 embraced Le Mans and the way subsequently that Le Mans embraced the G56 program made it just an outstanding thing. And I was very fortunate to have some insight into it, to have a close look at the car met Jimmy Johnson, met Chad Knauss, um, talked to these guys about it. And the way they approached that event was just spectacular. The car itself was phenomenal. And every four minutes it would pass by, it was like a 747 taking off, but better. It And it just sounded incredible. It looked great. They drove superbly. For the most part, it ran with no real mechanical dramas. Um, it was such a cool thing. And and the, they were embraced like way beyond what I thought a NASCAR rocking up at one of Europe's oldest car races would be like. Um, it was such a spectacular thing to see. Um, and I would love dearly for that to happen somewhere else in the world. Mount Panorama, Bathurst, Bathurst 12-hour um, at some point in the future. So it was just so spectacular, so memorable. The whole way they approached that, the way the drivers engaged with it, the way that 
Chevrolet as a manufacturer got involved, NASCAR, um, and and even the ACO and the WEC. It was spectacular. So that was easily in my top 10 this year. In fact, probably in hindsight, could have been higher. But uh, Garage 56 NASCAR, hot. Uh, yeah, uh, for me, going to Darwin as a punter this year was hot. It's the first time in a long, long time that I've been to a supercar race as a member of the public and not as a working media person. So to be able to sit on the hills around turns four and five in that sort of area and watch it with the people and hear their excitement as cars came past and stuff, it's it, you're probably the closest to it than the three of us, Mark, because when you're shooting your stuff, you're in there with it, but still at the same time you're working. So it's hard to be sort of that enthralled by it. But yeah, it was just really good to see just how much the punters get off with uh, watching their cars go around and their favorite drivers and, and their favorite teams and the like. And to be a part of that and to see that happen, just mm. gave me a whole new insight and a whole new vision into the sport, which uh, was pretty good for me. Good spectator track. Yeah. I, I've got to tell you, that's actually one thing that I've done consciously this year is, take a few moments every now and then just to sit there and be a spectator well, and got take it, it all you? in. Yeah. Normally you don't and you just, they're go, go, go. Like Adelaide, I probably didn't sit there and yeah. spectate, but there are a few times during the year, like I remember at Sydney Motorsport Park, just sitting up there on the hill during that night race, just watching it and taking it all in. And you've got to sit there and smell the roses every now and then. Yeah. I always wonder about guys in the media center who never leave the media center. They've yeah. never actually seen a car go around a racetrack. Like, Might as well be home. Yeah. That does my head in. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, my number five, and I don't think I actually did a lot of spectating there, was the Australian Grand Prix. Obviously, very proud of my little mate, Richard Crail, for commentating the big race with Damon <laughs> yeah. Hill and absolutely nailing it. You know when you can, like, look on Twitter, someone's handle, and you can you do that. You can see if anyone's got mentions. And after the Grand Prix, you've commentated that to millions of people and no one added you. Yeah. Like, I think that's an absolute win. Yes. Like, yeah. you, know, you look at a footy game or a cricket yeah. match or any other type of televised sport, the commentators copy pasting. It doesn't matter what they do. They can't win. Mm. But uh, you nailed that. And that was hot. Uh, you know, I had the unexpected bonus of getting the full F1 photo pass of the weekend with thanks to my day job at car sales. And I, I had gave it a big run. Uh, it's amazing how many club level events are bloody difficult to vent to cover from a media perspective, but F1 is so easy. They respect you. They let you get on with your job. The paddock didn't necessarily do a lot for me, but the pit lane was yeah. pretty cool. Having a mm. dribble over the cars and, you know, these are a single use multi-million dollar piece of kit and they're just absolute works of art. And to see them getting bashed into the fence at uh, Albert Park probably wasn't <laughs> that great. Um, yeah. A definite highlight was that run of red flags at the end. Uh and I was lucky enough to be trapped in pit lane when that was happening. So all the drama was just unfolding right in front of me, which was really, really cool. Big life moment and one that I won't forget in a very long time. Hot. It's nice. good hot. Uh, at five with me, despite the troubles that we've talked about earlier and the challenges that face with ARG and some of the smaller fields and things like that, I'm still going to give the Speed Series a hot this year because I thought it took a big step forward in branding, in presentation, uh, in TV, I thought was very positive. Um, and just in the overall presentation of a second tier tour, I thought it was the best it's been since ProCar, um, since 2003, in terms of having a, a, a 
a one brand to drive that second tier non-supercars program. So well done to MA for that because they do deserve a lot of the credit for it. I thought that was great. And as an aside to that, as sort of a joint hot with this, um, I thought the TCR World Tour was great. I thought I was fortunate to spend the week with those guys and did some PR and some media around it. And, and I was so impressed with the quality of those blokes and the way they embraced it. And these are some of the top flight racing car drivers in the world that are very high profile and, and very professional racing car drivers. But the way they embraced it, I thought was outstanding. So um, yes, there's some challenges on that side of the fence in grid numbers and categories and things like that. But I think the Shannon Speed Series right now has great potential with a new TV deal on seven next year to take a big leap forward and and really entrench itself as that legitimate go-to place. And the other thing with that is that it, there are now legitimate crowds at key rounds there. So Sandown had a crowd. Um, Queensland Raceways crowd was excellent. Very, very strong. Even Sydney Motorsport Park had a few paying punters. So it's starting to draw some spectators. It's starting to draw some interest. I think that deserves a hot. I'll pass on this round, Mark. Okay. Calder Park is back. What an incredible job by everyone involved there to bring racing back there. They've pumped the time and the money into the right things. They haven't put a dump load of money into it, but what they've done, they've done right, and it's starting to look ace. Uh, some of my Calder highlights for the year included doing a track day on the Thunderdome back on Australia Day, just to get a bit of a, a feeling for what it was like back in the day, and that was really cool, and they're doing them a lot more regularly. So if you're down this neck of the woods, go and check that out. Uh, then there was the drifting there. I remember rolling up to a drift event on the Friday night after the Grand Prix, and you, know, you sit there all Grand Prix weekend for four days, 12-hour days, and you didn't see a wheel dropped off at any one stage. In the drifting, everyone's trying to have the biggest possible crash at every possible occasion. It was really cool to watch that. Uh then you go back to the racing. They've brought racing back there. And that got me a retweet from Redneck Jesus himself, Dale Hart Jr. And that was the day that I quit Twitter. So uh, <laughs> that was a huge win. You know, it's especially big when you look at what's happening across town at Sandown. Um, the fact that we've got another venue up and operational is just great. And, and also selfishly from a photographic perspective, it is Ludic ludicrously photogenic there's so many angles and options and backdrops and there's so much fun that you can have there and I, I think it's going to be a real hit with spectators too uh when we start getting some crowds out there so that is my number four nice uh for me the napa uh auto parts sprint car set up by tim hodges and joe mack and the like uh, they had an amazing 2023 early in the season hopefully that translates into a fantastic 2024 as well but the work that was done by that team to raise the bar in the sprint car world was uh, absolutely spot on and the uh, the eyeballs that they brought to the uh, to the event to the events and the like uh, which probably hadn't been there before is also great some big names involved with the whole uh, process and congratulations to those guys on a uh, on a great uh, year and hopefully that continues through this year as well yep amen to that brother i like it uh you alluded to this earlier, Shebex, but in with a bullet to number four, I think Porsche Motorsport in Australia as a whole. So more than 70 competitors this year across Carrera Cup and Sprint Challenge. So show me another national racing series that's got that. Hugely impressive. 14 race meetings run 
across the two categories, um, plus involvement in GT World Challenge and in GT4 now with the Cayman. There's more of those coming. Um, I, I thought it was just a spectacular year. The level of talent involved in Carrera Cup and Sprint Challenge this year was outrageous. Um, the final race in Sprint Challenge this year at the Bend is one of the better Porsche races I've ever called. Um, I just think the product right now is so good. It's a viable pathway uh, out of Australia to international motorsport, but it's also a viable pathway within the sport to supercars. But then it's also a viable place for drivers that don't have a full-time supercar driver. And I talk about a Fabian Coulthard or a Dale Wood, people on those lines to commercialize it and still go racing professionally, which they both do. So I, I just so unbelievably proud of what Porsche Motorsport achieved this year. And yes, I've got a, a stake in the game there, but um, it, it was been a, a spectacular year for Carrera Cup and for Sprint Challenge. And the young talent that I get to work with there is just outrageous, outrageously good. So um, very, very cool year for, uh, for Porsche Racing in Australia. So that's my number four. I'll start on the number threes, Brody Kostecki. Remember a few years ago when there were about 37 Kostekis rolled into Super <laughs> 2? And I remember at the time someone said, keep an eye on the one in the daggy old Falcon. He's the good one. Yeah. Then you fast forward to Bathurst 2020. And he absolutely took it right up to Jamie Winkup to the point where Jamie stuffed himself in the fence trying to defend from an imaginary attack at the cutting. You know, that he put himself on the map that, that weekend. Was he too aggressive? Oh boy, that was a big statement weekend. Fast forward to the Grand Prix this week, this year. That was the first time he ever won in supercars. We sort of forget that, that he hadn't had a win up until this season. Uh, then there was the clean sweep at the bend, which I think in the greatest scheme of things, probably really stamped his name on the title. You know, we were waiting the entire year for that team and Brody to slip up, but it just never happened. Even when he had three dud races, he still scored points. He dud weekends. You look at Darwin. Oh, Darwin was a dud weekend. He didn't get a podium. He got two fourths. Mm. Like if you're winning the championship on your bad weekends and you're getting two fourths that's uh not bad and his other bad weekend was adelaide where he'd already signed up the championship he finished sixth and eighth and he got a couple of poles from it which was uh not exactly a bad weekend uh dave russell too i think we've got to tip our hat to him because he was uh he really kept his end of the bargain up there at sandown and bathurst he did a great job old cordy he just he's a fine wine he just keeps getting better <laughs> uh, then you got the fact brody he's going to roll off next year to the USA for a, a campaign in the limited number of races with Richard Childress racing. That's big. Uh, you've got the fact that he's a much more polished media performer these days. I think it's fair to say he's really grown into that role. Like when you're the champion, you're the spokesperson for the sport. And I think uh, he's doing a lot better job. The end of 2023 version of Brody than the one from a couple of years ago. And, um, yeah, no, I think across the board, he's dead set hot in 2023. Well done, Brody. Yep, no, fantastic stuff. Uh, Singapore Grand Prix, for me, hot for the fact that it was the one in the 21-1 record for Red Bull and Carlos Sainz <laughs> and his win for Ferrari being chased down by Hamilton and Russell and uh, obviously Norris there as well for McLaren and Sainz using Norris sort of as a bit of a, a shield, I suppose, to get him over the line. But that was just great to have another manufacturer win a race in formula one and uh, was done extremely well at singapore so congratulations on making the hots color signs and the singapore grand prix 
I'm sure he'll appreciate that, Shebex. Uh, no, you're right. Was was a great uh, was a great race. Speaking of, uh, in at three for mine, the Australian Grand Prix, um, hugely memorable for so many reasons. Professionally, one of my most special weekends of my quote unquote career. Um, getting to call a Grand Prix was something I never thought I'd be able to do. Getting to call two of them was something I never thought I'd be able to do after I did one. Um, so that was unbelievably special. That race itself was ridiculous with all the drama at the end and the red flags, slightly anticlimactic finish in the end, but they tried, um, to work with someone like Damon Hill, who grew up, I grew up with, um, as one of my genuine 100% racing heroes was spectacular. The fact he turns out to be a very, very decent human being and lovely guy to have a coffee with in the morning is even better. Um, but just that whole experience, that whole weekend was just 100% outrageously good. So um, Australian Grand Prix with a hot, and that event continues to be the benchmark on which all other sporting events in motorsport need to be based on because it is truly outstanding. Yeah. Good. Look, in the past, there have been dynasties in F1, and I would sit here like everyone else, not enjoy them. But you know what? That would probably put me in the pile that Scott McLaughlin's talked about a lot since he's moved to the USA, that Australians don't like winners because of our ingrained tall poppy syndrome that we're all born with. And it's a thing. And it's not a bad thing. It's just how we're, how we're wired. But this year, I had to sit there and watch every bloody F1 race. And I steered into the skid and embraced the ridiculousness that was Max Verstappen. You know, never, ever again will something like that happen? It just won't. And, you know, I've got to tell you, last couple of Sundays, I've struggled to get to bed. You need the Dutch national anthem to put a full <laughs> stop on your Sunday. The soothing, soothing tune to send you to sleepy bye-byes. All these things I'm just about to rattle off are records that belong to Max this year. Most wins, 19. Most podiums, 21. Most points, 575. Biggest winning margin, 290 points. Most laps led, 1,003. The first driver to ever lead over 1,000 laps in a season. Highest percentage of laps led, 75.7%. Most wins from pole, 12. Most consecutive wins, 10. Most hat tricks of poles, wins, and fastest laps, 6. If he was running as a constructor, he would have easily won it by his own by over 50% more points than Mercedes. <laughs> uh, and I've got to tell you, I'm also here for his personality. Like, I think he's all the social stuff that comes out and listening to some of the media describe how he interacts with them. And like, he's very fair and reasonable with the media. Like, he is not short and sharp and gives them nothing. Like, he'll give them all his time and he's he's got a bit of personality around him. And there's a breed of F1 drivers. You look at Lando, you look at Oscar. Albon, Valtteri, Dan the Man, they're all very different cats, but they'll bring something to the conversation. And a final aside on Max, the F1 lap leaders this season read Verstappen 1003, Perez 146, Sainz 77, the bird that Max hit in Canada 59, Leclerc 41. <laughs> good uh, stats. Hot, 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 hot. Good stats. Uh, no, any more no from you, Shrex? Uh, yeah, uh, my, uh, next hot is Matty Payne, and oh, yeah. he's finally getting a win. Uh, I remember us two years ago when uh, Grove Kelly Racing were trying to get this kid was trying to get this kid Matty Payne into a seat. We we're going, this kid, what is this kid? Who is he? Where, where's he come from? What has he done? Why does he deserve a seat? Well, he showed us at Adelaide exactly why he did deserve a seat, and uh, good luck to him in the future because I think, uh, as, as I said before. 
supercars needs good strong champions to keep it going and we've lost a few recently but i think the young talent that we've got coming through at the moment is pretty special so in the next few years we're going to see some great bouts between him and uh, a few others i would have thought yeah amen looking forward to that uh in at number two it's the bathurst 12 hour uh it feels like a long time ago now but uh man what a race from the valentino rossi factor which was ridiculous um to the crowd that that came with him but also with everything else that was going on with the f1 car running around things like that um to simple little things like the shot that director brian forshaw took at about i don't know 6 30 in the morning from the sill of one of the audis with the sun rising up over the national motor racing museum as it ran out of Murray's corner and it just made us all in the commentary box go oh wow just simple little stuff like that to Gilles Gounon being one of the best racing car drivers in the world I'm convinced at the moment with what he's achieved and and certainly at Bathurst the best international I reckon that's ever raced there um to the finish to Angry Maro to Matt Campbell throwing his Porsche off the scenery and still keeping it in a straight line and almost winning again um, to it being the fastest Bathurst race that's ever been held to 2000 kilometers in a day, 322 laps to everything around it. uh, The Bathurst 12 hour was back this year. It was the race in Australia, most affected by COVID. Um, And while the field wasn't enormous, Next year's will be, don't worry. Um, the race itself was a Bathurst 12 hour for the ages um, for so many reasons. So comfortably in at number two and and had number one not happened this year, it would have been comfortably number one. But um, hmm. remarkable race, remarkable race. Is, is, I can't wait for your number one. Is it my Matakana? Like, did you rate it higher than I did? It's predictable, my number one. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll go with my number one then. Uh, drum roll, please. Keep in mind, I'm the world's biggest NASCAR fan. SVG winning on the streets of Chicago. Yeah. Look, it was the first debutant winner in the Cup Series in 60 years. Like, let that sink in for a moment. That's huge. He did one small test session. That was it. It was an entirely different car, different thing, and something that these guys drive 40 times a year. So they're all pretty used to it. The playing ground was level to an extent, new track, and there was a bit of rain and he took advantage of it. But by the same token, he got absolutely screwed by a reset running order uh, early in the race when there was a big pile up and he snuck through, but they sent him to the back anyway. And then subsequently he got screwed again when they lopped 25 laps off the end of the race because of uh, the impending sunset. He'll be mega next year. Trackhouse are a full factory back Chevy team. SVG is a freak of nature. He has a point to prove. Think of the things that he's done. You know, he won the New Zealand Grand Prix from last. He was on the WRC2 podium. He's won in GT3, Speedway, Time Attack, Radio Control Cars, iRacing, Drifting, and he's dominated this generation of supercars. You know, I remember back 2014, talking to one of the team owners, and I asked him, if you could have any driver in the field, who would you have? And he said, Van Gisbergen, without a doubt. And that was before he went on his tear for the last decade. You know, I think he's going to be a really great ambassador for this end of the sport. So uh, hot to you, Shane Van Gisbergen, for getting that win in the Cup Series over there. Well done. Well done to you, Mark. My hot also goes to a person as well. 
I never thought I'd mention politicians twice in hots and knots, but my hot goes to the Honourable Premier of South Australia, Peter Malinowskis, for giving us the Velo Adelaide 500. Without you, sir, we would not have got to experience what was one of the most amazing weekends of motor racing that I've ever been a part of. Everything to do around the track, helicopter flights, piloting contests, even a freaking Ferris wheel or a, whatever you call it. A, uh, well, is it a Ferris wheel? No, it's it's not a Ferris, Ferris wheel. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> to the racing that was on the track, to the people, to the concerts, all that sort of stuff. There's only one man to thank for that, and that was the man that said, if I get elected, I will bring back the Adelaide 500. And God bless you, sir. You were strong to your word. And may you reign with an iron fist for 50 <laughs> more years. <laughs> wow. Uh, yep. Very good. Very good. Uh, my number one hot, predictably, the 24 hours of Le Mans. The whole shooting match, the whole experience was amazing. Let's talk about the race first. The race was a 24-hour sprint race between the biggest car maker in the world and the most famous car maker in the world. Uh, and it came down to strategy. It came down to rolling the dice at the end, overcuts, undercuts. Um, yeah, it was a magnificent car race. And then grimly hanging on in third place, the Cadillac tucked in and around the lead lap, but couldn't quite get there to the leaders in the end, but a well-fought race. The Corvette winning the GT class in their final appearance as a factory team in the last race for the GTE cars, um, unpredictable racing. The Porsches failing abysmally at getting a result, despite having quite a lot of pace. If you were the Jota car, just the, the NASCAR I talked about earlier was outrageous. The 325,000 people, and that's not a weekend crowd. That's like the crowd <laughs> for the race. Um, the, the campgrounds, the fact that you could go to a campground and next to one tent would be a Ferrari California. And the next tent would be a TVR Cigaris and the next tent would be an E-type Jag. Like it, it's camping on a different level. Um, to the commentary and working with Haggerty Radio Lamar and all the team um, who made me so unbelievably welcome. And it was such a blast calling with Bruce Jones at 2.30 a.m. in the morning, graveyard shift, um, but getting everyone who was awake in this part of the world tweeting me or messaging me saying they were watching. Like that was just such a surreal moment as Ferrari and Toyota bashed on at the front of the field and we had wild restarts and a little bit of weather and all sorts of stuff. Um, the whole experience from the road trip down from London um, to staying with Patrick and Mina um, at a little town called Shonjay, just outside of Le Mans in their beautiful house with a beautiful garden. And you'd walk back in every night and they'd hand you a beer or a glass of red um, to just everything about it, to having an opportunity to meet David Hobbs, um, Le Mans legend, um, to see Lee Diffie working there as part of Eurosports coverage. Just the whole Shooting match was an extraordinary experience. Um, and as the great Paul Truswell said, at 3.37am on Sunday, the 11th of June, uh, Le Mans, where the unheard of is heard of. Uh, and it was a really special experience. So my number one for this year was comfortably, by margin, the uh, 100th anniversary, 24 hours of Le Mans. 
Well done, gentlemen. That concludes our Caltex Hots and Knots for this week. And it actually concludes our podcast for 2023. I'd like to thank you, gentlemen, for your uh, constant work each week. It's been an absolute pleasure doing the podcast with you. No, thank you. It's been fun. We've had some times. We've had some excellent guests. Thank you if you've been a guest on the show this year. Um, But probably more thank you if you've been uh, a listener who's stopped you, Shebex, myself or Mark in our travels and said, oh, I love the show. Or even if you hate the show, whatever. It's just nice to be told. Um, They're they're my favourite listeners. The one that hate it but still listen anyway. Exactly, which is great. Thank you for your rating. Um, It might get better next week. I'll listen again. Might be better. Potentially. Um, Thank you to that. Um, Thanks to Andy Bender from City Rural for jumping on board uh, to support us um, and to Chris Gillespie at Caltex as well for their unwavering support and everyone else who's helped us out on the show this year. We really appreciate it. And uh, thanks to the team at Radio Show Limited, to John and Eve and everybody over there who, of course, um, carry us through the Radio Show Limited network of channels across the year. And, um, you know, that that relationship enabled me to go over there and have the time of my life in June this year. So that was really special. So, um, yeah, thanks to everybody for, uh, for tuning in and Thank you, Shebex, for putting it together every week. Good job. My absolute pleasure working with you guys. It is. Uh, Guys, have a great break. We'll catch up again probably early Feb, I reckon, as we start to get ready for what should be a massive Bathurst 12-hour, followed by a massive Bathurst 500 the week after. So there'll be heaps to talk about. No doubt about that. A Merry Christmas to you and your family. And to all out there, we also wish you a fantastic holiday season. And we'll catch you again in 2024 right here on The Grid.